Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. So glad that you're here. Um, my kid, I don't think anybody was in the room since I've said it, but my name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter Church, and it is so good to see all of you here today. Uh, today, we are finishing up our uh, Live Out Loud message series. Uh, we've been doing this throughout the month of August, and today we're wrapping it up. Uh, Live Out Loud, what is it about? It's really been about the idea that our Christian faith is not meant to be lived as a secret. It's not supposed to be something that was private. In fact, what we see that Jesus said is that in, in uh, John chapter 20, verse 21, he came to his disciples shortly after he had been crucified. He had rose from the grave, and one of the first things he says to them is, as the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. So the earliest thing that we see from Jesus as to his disciples was that our entire faith is meant to be lived around the concept of living our faith out loud and publicly, living on mission with Jesus. We have been sent into the world to share the gospel message, and so we're calling that living out loud. And last week we talked about how our actions speak louder than words, that the way that we live our life, the way that we pursue Jesus, acting like Jesus and Every moment of our life is so important because it helps people to understand that God is there. And if we don't live our lives looking like Jesus, there's no way for them to know about Jesus. And so our big idea last week was that living out loud takes intentional action to bring people to Jesus. It's not going to happen by accident. God wants to use us as we intentionally make decisions to bring people Jesus. And so we had this quote from one of my favorite movies that said, if it's not who you are underneath, it's what you do that defines you. And I think that's such a, an important quote for us. It's so applicable that the things that we do, we can say that we're something, but until we live it out loud, people won't know that it's true. Well, this week, we're going to finish up our message series by saying we need to come right out and say it. So actions do speak louder than words, but we also need to come right out and say it. You know, when we read the Bible, we see a story that spans thousands of years thousands of years, and we see a God who loves his creation so much that he refuses to leave them to their own devices. The story of the Bible is the story of God reaching down from heaven to rescue humanity, to help us, to not leave us here alone. We are a part of that story, a part of the story of God. When we read scripture, I think so much of us, so many of us read the Bible, and when we look at it, maybe you went to a, a Catholic school and you had some, some Bible intake, or maybe you've gone to church, you had Sunday school, and maybe as a, or maybe you're new to it, but you've grown up and you feel like, you know, when I read the Bible, I feel like it's, it's a collection of a variety of stories, or maybe it just seems like a bunch of, of rules or one lines that I have a hard time putting together. But I would encourage you to think of the Bible from start to finish as a story, as a narrative, the story of God. Who is he? Who is God and how does he relate to us? The story of the Bible is the story of God shown through the life of Jesus. The entire Bible prepares the way for Jesus and then shows us that how he has come to redeem all of humanity, to bring us back to the place that God has created us for. It's a beautiful story. So as you look at the Bible, as we read passages, as you study it, as you try to live out your life, the whole idea of living out loud, living on mission, is the idea of bringing the story of God to people who need to hear it. That is the idea of it. Now, actions do speak louder than words. It's important that we act properly, 
but our voice tells the story of God. Actions speak louder than words, but our voice tells the story of God. And if we are to truly live our faith out loud, we have to come right out and say it. We have to actively tell the story of God. I want to start today by reading out of a chapter in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10. If you have your Bibles with you, please pull them out and open up to Romans chapter 10. Or if you have a smartphone or a tablet, I encourage you to, uh, to go ahead and open that up and go to Romans 10. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 14, kind of jumping at a couple of maybe omitting a couple uh, spaces in the passage. But Romans 10, verse 1, and it'll also be on the screen here for you in case you don't have any of those um, devices with you. This is what it says. Dear brothers and sisters... The longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Let's pause there for a second. He's specifically talking about the Jewish people. He grew up Jewish. Paul was a Jewish man. The Apostle Paul was a Jewish man trained under one of the most famous of uh, Jewish rabbis named Gamaliel. And so he knows what he's talking about. And his cry, his heart, is that his own people would know Jesus, would be saved by Jesus. But I think we can apply this to the people that live in our lives who don't know Jesus. I think this is same, the same is true of our neighbors and of our coworkers. People who don't know Jesus. I mean, let's look at what it says in verse 3. It says, For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself, refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God. How many people do you know who, who follow different religions? How many people do you know that when you try to tell them about Jesus, or maybe they know that you're a Christian, or perhaps they, they've heard something or they've made comments to you, and they say, yeah, I just don't, I just don't believe that, or I, I think this is what I should do, or people who are like, I don't think that God is for me, or they want to live their own way. How many of you have ever heard that? You don't have to raise your hands, but it happens everywhere. And this is what Paul is talking about. Paul is saying that there are people all over the place who refuse to accept God's way of making them right with himself. That is the story of God. The story of the Bible is all about how God can make humanity right with him again. That's what we're talking about here. Let's pick it up in verse 4. This is for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. So the law was the set of rules um, and the way of living that God gave to his people to set them apart from the rest of the society at the time, okay? And they were still trying to do that even though Jesus had come and said, listen, I have come now to fulfill that, okay? And that's why we have Jewish people to this day still refuse to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that they have been searching for. So this is still happening today. And he says, as a result, though, because of what Jesus has done, all who believe in him are made right with God. Skip down to verse 8. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved for everyone, underlined, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a promise. It's actually in quotes because it was from the Old Testament. This is God declaring it. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. 
has a chance to find freedom. Everyone has a chance to have hope, to have salvation, to be made right with God, to live under that banner. Everyone. But then he asked this question. He says, but how, in verse 14, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And that makes sense. How can anyone be saved if they don't even believe in the first place? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Well, that makes sense too. And finally, how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And that's true. In fact, just this week, I went to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds soccer game, and it was a lot of fun. But I was struck by the fact of how many, how few people were in the stands. And I was talking to one of the, um, the gentlemen that we bought the tickets from when I ordered them over the phone, and I said, you know, I feel like this city would really enjoy being at the games. And he himself admitted, he said, yeah, I just, I just think a lot of people just don't know we're here. They don't know we exist. And I said, I think that's true. I don't see billboards anywhere. I don't hear people talking about it. There's no buzz about it. I had to search it out on Facebook and like their page in order for me to like it. There, is, there just didn't appear to be any way. So that's the same thing that Paul is saying here, right? He says, how can they hear unless someone tells them? What Paul is talking about here is the story of God. He's talking about how this story needs to be told. He said that if God wants all men to be saved, it begs the question, well, how are they going to be saved unless someone goes and tells them? How are we going to do that? Our voice tells the story of God. You know, for many years, I have loved Apple products, Apple Mac products. I have a whole variety of them. I have a MacBook I have an iPad, I have an iPhone, we have um, Apple TVs, we have, uh, I even have an Apple sticker on my car. Like, I have them everywhere, okay? So Apple products are, are my thing, they're my baby, and uh, I love them for a variety of reasons. For me, um, I, they work together. That's one thing I love, they call it an ecosystem. So my Apple TV can talk to my MacBook, and my MacBook talks to my iPhone, and they all work together, there's no problems with that. The other thing I love is that they hardly ever break down. Like, I don't ever have hardly any problems. Now, recently, I did have to take it to get something fixed on it, but that happened, uh, like, once in four years. In fact, I still have the iMac, the desktop, that I bought in 2007, and it still works. Like, I love it, you know? They're also sleek. They're cool-looking. There's definitely the hip factor because people who use Apple computers are just better human beings. And, um, (laughs) yeah, see? So... I I love them, right? They're fantastic. I tell people about how much I love using my Mac. Every time my mom and my dad call me up and they have like a Dell computer or my my mother-in-law has a gateway, I think at one time she did. And I remember, I'm always saying, you know what, you wouldn't have that problem if you had a Mac. Like, I can help you fix that. This is easier. Oh man, I don't have that problem because this works over here the way it's supposed to. Anytime someone's thinking about getting a new phone or a new computer, I'm, I'm so happy to just tell them that they should get an Apple product. That's how much... I love it. In fact, it happens so often by Mac users in general. I mean, you probably have run into one, a Mac user, that they're actually, there's a a phrase that people have called us. They're called Mac evangelists. Mac evangelists. This is serious. So the word evangelism or an evangelist is someone who tells the story of God. Mac evangelists are people who can't shut up about Apple products. And I'm one of them. I'm a Mac evangelist. And I think, though, that we, we love as people to share things with other people that have been good to us. We, why is that? I think it's because we want people to experience the same good things that we have. If because I love my computer, I have such a good time with it, like it works the way it should, it fulfills a small portion of my life. When I see other people with the spinning wheel of death in our Windows machine, I said, there's a better way. There's a better way for you. 
And why do we do that, though? But we don't do it with just computers. We do it with restaurants, right? Oh, my gosh, you've got to try this new restaurant over here. We do it with video games or if we saw a great movie or maybe the cars that we drive or the school systems that we put our kids in. We want to share with people the things that have made a positive impact in our life, right? But when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our faith in Jesus and the idea of sharing it with other people, we clam up. We clam up inside and we, we feel all sorts of uncomfortable and then we end up saying nothing at all. Even though we know deep inside that what God has done inside of us because we've met Jesus is more meaningful, is more impactful than anything we could ever experience elsewhere in our life. Far more powerful than a movie that we just watched or a burger that we had at a restaurant or a car that we've you know, bought and we enjoy or even a Mac. I mean, maybe a little bit better than a Mac. I'm just kidding. But this is the reality. But the thing is, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Telling the story of God, telling people who Jesus is and what he's done for us is the same as talking about a burger that I had. I understand there is different levels of like seriousness there, but it's the same process. It's just telling the story about something positive that has impacted my life and wanting to share it with someone else so that they can experience it too. It's all about telling the story. And so that's our big idea for today, for this message. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you remember anything, it's this, is that living out loud means intentionally telling the story of God to others. You hear that word from me a lot, intentional. And I think it's because I'm trying to be intentional with you. I want you to know that our faith is meant to be intentional. It was not supposed to be accidental. It wasn't supposed to be hidden in a closet. It wasn't supposed to be, oh man, an opportunity came up. Well, what'd you think about that? Like, it's supposed to be Jesus has done something so powerful in my life. I am a new person. I've been changed from who I used to be. And now I need to find opportunities. I need to search for a way for people to experience it too. Living out loud means intentionally telling the story of God to others. And that's the mission that we've been given as Christians is to partner with God to bring this great story to other people. And I think we make it way too complicated. So what I wanted to do for the rest of our time today was to kind of look back through that passage from Paul. I think there are three observations that I would like to make from this passage of scripture that I think are going to help us about telling God's story that I think is going to help us in our journey towards living out loud. This is a journey that we're all on. I'm on it myself. You know, some of us are great at just being open and sharing Jesus with people and others, maybe you're like me, you, you don't have a problem, you're like, you love Jesus, but it's not your first inclination or your natural um, mode to, 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 to find people and to tell them about Jesus. But I think that's what we're called to do. So in, to be obedient to who God is, to be obedient to his word, to live on mission so that other people can know Jesus, we have to find how we can do that. So let's look back through it. So very, the very first verse of Romans chapter 10, how does Paul start it? He says, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Well, I think the first thing in telling God's story is that it starts with a desire. I think it starts with a desire, and I think this is so critical for us. You cannot overlook it. We have to want people to know Jesus. If we don't ever tell anyone about Jesus, then it's never going to happen. 
We will never see anyone come to Jesus unless we have a desire for them to know him. I remember growing up, my mom, most of her family was not uh, following Jesus. And my mom would cry so many times for her sister. She would get off the phone with her. She would say, listen, Sherry, she would say, I just want you to know Jesus. And she would say, yeah, I'm not ready. And my mom would get off the phone with her and and she would always talk to us as kids about how desperately she wanted more than anything else in the world for her family to experience what she did. My mom has a desire for for her family to know Jesus. But you know what? I'll be honest with you. This is just your pastor being completely open and honest with you. For a long time, I never prayed for my, my mom's side of the family to come to know Jesus. I never did anything physically or anything at all, like intentional, to help them know who Jesus. My mom was living on an island. Maybe my dad was there too. But helping them to know Jesus, but I kind of stood at afar. Why? Because the desire wasn't there for me. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying in the the same situation, you're saying, I have all sorts of people in my life who I know don't know Jesus but I'm not going to do anything about it or I haven't up to this point because if I'm honest with you, Pastor Jared, I don't really have a very much of a desire in my heart for them to know it. And it has to start with a desire. You see, Paul was driven to share what he experienced. He had such a dramatic experience and encounter with God. It's no coincidence that we called this church Encounter Church. It's because when people walk in the doors here, we want them to meet the living God. I believe that he is here. I believe that every time we close our eyes, we lift our hands to the heavens. I believe that when we do that, that the Spirit of God can talk to us, can meet us. I'm not trying to be weird with you, but we serve a God who is supernatural. You know what the word super means? Not like super, great. Super means above, beyond, greater than. So supernatural means that it is above, greater than our natural world. It makes sense then for us to experience God the one who created the universe, created everything that we see, all of the matter is, has been from his hands. If we are to interact with that person, it is going to be beyond what we are. So when we come here, don't expect to see an image of God floating in the corner. No, close your eyes and let your spirit see for you. I realize that that might sound new to you or different for you, but this is what we are as Christians. The Spirit of God comes alive inside of us and connects with our soul and allows us to create connections with our Creator. And that's what we need. If you're finding yourself without a lack of desire, it's probably because you're not close enough to Jesus. That's hard. And that says the same thing for me, because I've got to be honest with you. Every time I spend time with Jesus in a personal space, I take time out of my day. Like, like Jason was saying during worship, right? He was saying, every time that I sit and I close my door or I'm in my car and I park somewhere and I put on worship music or I spend time just, just being quiet and listening to God and speaking to him and, and talking to him and just trying to commune and connect with him, what happens is I get closer to Jesus and every time I leave there, I'm more like him. I see things differently. I now look at my, my friends differently. When you are connected to Jesus, when you've had an encounter with Jesus, an experience with him, you will have no choice to be more like him. And Jesus is the one who gave us this mission, this desire. Paul's desire came from an encounter with him. It is so easy for us to become cold or become jaded or, or even to just kind of move on with life and forget about what Jesus did to us. But I would encourage you to remember, remember when you met Jesus first. Why are you here in the first place? From 10 years ago, five years ago, you met Jesus and something changed. 
But it's so easy for life gets in the way and we forget about how we felt that day. But I'll tell you something. When you reconnect back to that place where you met Jesus for the first time and you think about what he did in your life, you think about how you were different before you met him. Look at all the things. Remember, allow yourself to remember what he has freed you from. And when you do that, you will begin to have a desire in your heart for other people to know it. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe I've forgotten what it was like before Jesus. It has to start with a desire. Pray for desire. Jesus, right now I don't care about my lost ones, but God, I want to care about them. Would you give me the desire in my heart like you have desire for them? Pray for that. So telling God's story begins. It begins with a desire, but then number two, it's powered by conviction. It's powered by conviction. Verse nine says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, it's so easy to kind of just roll through that, but what is a conviction? I'm not talking about like a criminal's conviction as though he's going to prison. A conviction, I looked it up, the definition of a conviction is a fixed or a firm belief. Verse 9 is very clear about what the story of God is. The story of God, or more specifically, the story of Jesus, is that declaring that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's very clear. It's very descriptive, right? Paul is speaking with conviction. And what happens is, is that when we don't have convictions, when we are unsure about something, I most likely am not going to share it. If I go to a restaurant or I see a movie and I'm not really sure what I think about it, I'm probably not going to tell people about it, right? When you love something, you're like going out searching for people to talk about it. But when you're not sure, when you don't know what you think about something, you are probably not going to share it. So I would ask you this question. What do you actually believe? Think about it for a second. What is it you believe? Do you believe what the Bible says is true? More specifically, do you believe that Jesus is the way to salvation? And even more than that, do you believe when the Bible says that he was risen from the dead? Do you believe it? Because here's why. What you believe determines what you will share with people. And I have found this to be true, and this is a new revelation for me. Most of you are probably aware that I'm going on a missions trip uh, to South Asia in, in just a little over a month. I'm so excited for it. It's my first uh, overseas missions trip, and this is not one of those missions trips where you would like go and build an orphanage or, or something like that. This is literally an evangelistic, an evangelism-based missions trip. We are going to parts of the subcontinent area in Asia to tell them, people who don't know Jesus, about him. We're going to be talking to people in the streets. We're having festivals where we're going to pray for people. And the sole goal of this is not so people know that Jesus is a nice guy. It's so that they can be introduced to him and find salvation from him. And I came up with this. I found that I knew that I was supposed to go, but there was something inside of me that said, I don't I don't know how I feel about going to another country with another religion and telling them that they need to follow the Jesus that I follow instead of their, their gods. Maybe some of you right now are thinking, that, it's like, well, who am I, right? Who am I to go to my neighborhood or, or in the, at to work or whatever, somebody who follows a different religion, who am I to tell them that what they believe is inaccurate? And I struggled with this. But you know what I had to find out? I had to ask myself these same questions. I had to say, do I really believe that Jesus is the way, that he is the truth, that he is the life? 
Do I believe that no man comes to the Father except through him? Do I believe that? Do I also believe that Jesus actually, physically rose from the dead? Do I believe that? And I had to answer these questions. And I had to come to a place of conviction with them. And once I did, you know what happened? My fear began to dispel. I said to myself, you know what? That means that instead of, instead, because it changed from now I'm going to go to this place and maybe they believe in a different God. How do I know that they're not, that, that, that they're not real? And, and even still, is it my place? Do you know why I now feel like I have a compulsion to have to tell them about Jesus? It's because I believe God's word is true. That everything else outside of Jesus is a lie. I believe that in my heart. And with that conviction, I now have the fuel, the power that I need to be able to tell them that they are living a lie. I'm not going to insult them. I'm not going to do anything other than say, listen, I want to tell you the story about the man who's changed my life. And we're going to believe that the Spirit of God, according to the book of Acts, is going to accompany us. And we're going to pray for them, and they're going to be healed. And that healing is going to be a sign to them that the God that I serve is the real God. That is the model we see in Scripture. But what happens to us is that we don't know what our convictions tell us. We, we go to church. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, and, and it's great, and I go to church, and I'm a part of this great, great community of believers, and I go to life groups, and, and it's all wonderful. But when you come across a moment where you actually have to say, what do I believe? We clam up because we are not sure. Our convictions are not deep within us. I encourage you to spend some time determining what you believe. When you are convinced of something, you have less worry about what they think about you. I'll go back to my Mac thing. Like, I'm aware that not everybody thinks that Apple computers are the best. I might not agree with them, but you know what? I have no problem telling them about it because it doesn't bother me when they tell me no. Why? It doesn't bother me because I have a conviction about what I believe about the topic. And that's all we're saying here. I literally believe that Jesus is the only way to be made right with our creator. And thus, without him, all everyone else who doesn't have that connection is going to spend the rest of eternity without him and without me, without us together. I, that's unacceptable. I have an obligation. And now I have a conviction. And now I have the courage to tell someone that they need it. Now, it's up to them. I want to be clear. You have no capabilities of making anyone believe what you believe. All that we are asked to do is be obedient and just speak the story of God to people. That's it. And it's up to them. The Bible says no man can come to the Father unless he draws them. So that means it's not my job. It's not on my shoulders. Our job is literally to tell the story. That's it. But we tell a good story, an effective and compelling story, when we have a conviction about what we believe about the topic. Does that make sense? Cricket? Cricket? All right. Telling God's story starts with desire. It is powered by conviction. And finally, number three, it is told with words. It is told with words. Verse 14 says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? In this passage, Paul is placing an emphasis on the need for actually telling people about Jesus, the story of God. At some point in our relationships with people, whether it be a coworker or a boss or a spouse, or maybe it's a, a family member or a neighbor, in your relationships 
And I'm just talking about the ones that currently exist. Like, you don't have to go out of your way to find a new one. There are people in your life right now who maybe even know that you're a Christian, but perhaps you've never actually told them why. You've never, never shared with them the story of what God has done in your life. And here, here's what I would say to you, how you can begin. I would encourage you to connect your story to the story of God. I think this is where we get it so complicated is that oftentimes we want to tell people, listen, you need to know Jesus. He, he came to, to die on the cross and to cover our sin and offer us forgiveness, right? The whole book of Romans kind of thing where it's about our inability to save ourselves and how we needed a Savior and all that. And all of that is true. But you know what the greatest entry point into any conversation is? Your personal story. So you need to start telling your personal story. Link your story with the story of God. How does how is how is your particular chapter intersected with the novel that is God's story? How has how has that happened? And when you have relationships with people and you can tell your story, just this week, for example, my wife Heather has been struggling with her family. Her father has needed an emergency surgery, and she's really been struggling with that. If she were a person in my life who was not a Christian, that's an opportunity for me to identify with her in that moment if I have had situations where, wow, I, I can just sit there and live life with him. But then I have an opportunity to use my words and say, but you know what? In this space, like, I know this is tough, and you feel hopeless, but I don't feel hopeless because, because of what Jesus has done. And the thing is, is that some of you are like, it seems weird to say that. Is it weird of me to, to, for a friend to tell me that they're frustrated with that their computer is broken? But listen, I'm telling you, I have a Mac, and it doesn't have that problem. Like, why is that weird for, for us to say the same thing? It's only because in our minds we feel it is. But the truth is, is that Jesus is greater than anything that could ever happen in our lives. We must use our words. So often we stop just short of actually telling them about Jesus. I was, I was having coffee with a, a pastor friend of mine about a year ago, and we went to a coffee shop in the 21st Street Coffee, I think it is, in, in the Strip District. And he was telling me the story about how he and the barista have been friends for a year and a half at that time. And he goes there once or twice a week, and every time he always goes and he talks to the guy a little bit. They became friends, and then they went camping a couple times, and he was telling me at the table that he sat down and they went camping one day, and one night while they were camping, a year and a half into their relationship, they were just talking about faith and just different things. The guy was asking questions. He was aware he's a pastor. Clearly, he had shared enough at some point. And, and this, is, this is the thing that, I, that had stuck to me the most, is that he, he started asking questions. The, 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 the barista guy was asking questions about just life and faith. And, and this pastor said, and I could sense that there was something there, that, there was a, that he was ready. I just sensed, and maybe he, would, maybe he wouldn't say this, but something I would say is I just sensed that the Spirit of God inside of me said, now is the time. And it turned out that the guy actually gave his heart to Jesus right there in a campsite in front of a campfire with him. But that would not have happened if this pastor had not said to him actual words of, do, do you want to know Jesus? Like, he actually had to take a step and physically use words to invite him into something that he would not have experienced otherwise. And I think this is what happens for so many of us is that we have relationships with friends, with coworkers, with people who are well aware that we go to church on a regular basis, 
that we, that we believe certain things, they even know that we like church. Like they, they say, oh, it's a good thing that they like. Their, their life is wrapped around this and it's wonderful. But they will never come to the same place that you are if you don't actually use your words, use your voice to tell them, listen, I think this is good for you. Can I tell you more about it? And at some point, invite them into that space. We have to use our words. And I am convinced that more and more that our ministry in this community will be effective, that it actually needs to be telling people the story of God. When I think about our outreaches, our back-to-school bash and our big hunt and all of the great things that we do, I am convinced more and more and more that somehow we have got to bring the gospel message to the people in this community. We have seen for three or four years now, they come to our events, but then they don't come to church. Why is that? Because they know we're a church that loves Jesus. They know that we care about them. We know that we serve them. We've got a great reputation in this community, but they don't know Jesus yet because we're not telling them. At some point, as a church and as a people, as individuals, we have to use our voice. Our actions are wonderful, but it's our voice that tells the story that brings people to Jesus. So real quickly, I just want to tie this all together in a couple practical points, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song together. A few practical steps. Number one, how do we, how do, we do this? Connect your personal story with the story of God. I already said that a minute ago. It's so important for us to make the story of Jesus personal because you will identify with people who I won't because of my, my life circumstances are different, different than yours. So it's so important for us to, to find and remember what Jesus has done for us. Tell that story to people because that's what's going to connect them. They're going to see, wow, I've felt that. I've experienced that. What got you out of it? Whoa. And they may not experience it right away, but I promise you as you tell their story, tell your story and connect it to the story of God, then people will come to know Jesus. Number two, I would encourage you to do some soul searching and know what you believe. Listen, this is a safe place, okay? So like I come up here and I preach with fire and I preach with with passion and intensity because I believe it with the convictions of my heart. But I recognize that there may be people in this room who say, I'm not sure what I believe and that's okay. Would you want anything less from me? Would you want me to come up here and and be wishy-washy? Like I'm not really sure what I think about this passage. I mean, who wants that, right? So I preach with what I believe, but then I want to have conversations with you. This is a place for you to come to belong here and to explore what you think about faith. And I encourage you to, to tell your friends at that too. Listen, you know, he's going to preach what he believes, but there's always a place to ask questions here. I encourage you to do that. But I also encourage you to start thinking about what it is that you actually believe because you will not grow in your faith. You will not become the evangelist that God wants you to be. You will not become an effective disciple until you know what you believe. Number three, Look for Holy Spirit-inspired opportunities and seize them. I promise you, if you open your eyes and you start your day by saying, God, would you, would you show me opportunities to tell the story, the story of what you've done in my life to connect it to the story of Jesus? If you ask that in the beginning of the morning, I promise you that as you go throughout your day, you'll have little promptings, little things will come up and say, this is a chance, this is an opportunity. It might not be big. It might just be to do something nice to show love. But remember, at some point, you've got to use your words. And lastly, number four, this concept of the bring-vitation. 
We talked about today some really big things that are happening. On September 11th, we have our new series, God of the Movies. It's a very user-friendly way to invite friends, to connect them to kind of cool movies. And we want you to bring your friends with you. We're also having an NFL kickoff party. It's very relevant in the city. People love football, so bring them. We're having our life groups open house. It's an opportunity to connect people into conversations. So instead of inviting them, bring them. That's the idea of the bring invitation. Bring people. Don't you be like, hey, you want to come on Sunday? Be like, hey, why don't you come on Sunday with me and I'll buy you lunch after church. You see what I'm saying? Bringing is an intentional action to grab people and to include them in your life. Would you stand with me and close your eyes? Just close your eyes with me right now and just prepare your hearts. I want you to picture someone that you know who needs the love and the hope of Jesus. Now let's together ask God together for the conviction and the courage to share Jesus with that person. I want you to really get a clear picture, an image in your mind of who that person is. And I want now all of us to say, God, would you give me the courage and the conviction to tell the story of Jesus to that person? I want them to know you. I want them to experience the goodness and the hope and the freedom that is found in a relationship with Jesus. Would you give me that desire, that conviction and courage? Give us deeper relationships of people, God. Give us opportunities to use our voice to share the story of God. Use us to bring people to Jesus. Use us to reach our city. We are open to what you would say to us, God. Give us courage and conviction and desire. Open up our mouths. Give us courage in our voices. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.